0: Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Pop Tech Radio. I am Mike Etchart. I hope you're having a great day, because today we are talking video games. After the big uh, E3 event here in Los Angeles, we're going to talk about what's going on in that industry. The E3, of course, is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. It was the big trade-only event up until a couple of years ago. I was actually at the first E3 back in 1995 when I was in the gaming industry. Back then, the gaming industry was exclusively CD-ROMs. And I worked at the time, in fact, I worked at Warner Brothers at that time. And that was when another one of the uh, awkward forays from major entertainment companies into the gaming industry that would happen from time to time. And back in 95 or so, there was a ton of them. I actually worked... In the music business. And of course, CD ROMs were manufactured at the same place that music CDs were. And they had big distribution companies. So it made sense for them to jump into the CD ROM business. And for a while they did. And then they jumped out. They were not successful, particularly. You know, it was one of the many times that the major movie studios or music companies really wanted to get into gaming in some capacity, in some way. They thought they knew how to do it, and they could probably do it better. And in fact, they oftentimes could not. But that was the first E3 back in 1995. The gaming industry was represented at the old Comdex, which was a, a more of a computer-oriented trade show that was back in Vegas in the late 80s and into the 90s. And then they kind of did their own, and, and E3 was gigantic. It was really crazy. There was a lot of money at that time going into the industry and into these trade shows. But, of course, at that time, trade shows were only for people in the industry. And, but it was also for the buyers because that was at a time that it was pre-internet sales. And it was all happening at brick-and-mortar stores. And so that was one of the events that buyers would come to, look at the new products, and they would put their orders in. And, and that really was the engine that drove that particular convention and then and now it was a hit driven business and it was fun and it was exciting and it was raucous because back then in those days the companies spent millions of dollars on those events from booth space to big industry parties they would have afterwards and a lot of the gaming companies were also owned by major movie studios at the time or had relationships with them or the hardware companies were also kind of involved like sony and so you had lots of these, again, these big after parties for for industry people that would have bands like Aerosmith play at them. And they would spend millions of dollars on the event. And for many years, that's the way E3 went. And in, at some point, it was so expensive for these companies to show at E3. They all kind of got together and said, what are we doing? It's an arms race. And we are competing on who has the biggest and the loudest booth, who has the biggest and the most expensive party. And we are taking our eye off the ball and devoting all this energy to these trade shows when we really want to be developing games. And so a bunch of people that year, whatever year that was, I think it was the early 2000s, maybe mid-2000s, they said, we're not going to do it. And they didn't go. And so for a couple of years, E3 disappeared. Then it kind of came back as more of a developers-only event. It was a real small event. All of the E3s started in, we were all mostly in L.A., and, and then uh, when it kind of came back in a smaller version, it was actually at the Santa Monica Airport, a little municipal airport here in, in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles area. Then it kind of got bigger again, but now it's kind of medium size. but of course everything has changed in the gaming industry. It's not really a brick-and-mortar business anymore. It's mail order, it's downloading, it's cloud-based. So even E3 is evolving. It's now kind of a hybrid show. Part of the day, it is people in the industry. And then the last part of the day, it's just for folks that have bought tickets to get in. So it's still a pretty great event. There's still a lot of things that are uh, introduced there and announced there. And that is what we're going to talk about today. What happened at E3? What should we be paying attention to? What are the upcoming games that are really exciting? And on the tech side, what's going on in the backside of games? Are we still going to have consoles around in a few years? Is it all going cloud-based? Virtual reality? All of that stuff. So stick with us because we are talking post E3 wrap up and games on Pop Tech Radio, and we come
1: right back.
0: welcome back, everyone, to Pop Tech Radio. I am Mike Etchart. We are talking games today. We are talking E3 stuff, and really nice to have an old friend of mine come on the show. He's Cheyenne Decker. He's the owner and director of Gameplay Productions and a longtime veteran of the gaming industry. And, in fact, he used to come on my show back when it was Sound and Vision Radio a long time ago. But, Cheyenne, good to have you on the show. How are you today? I am doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So let's talk a little bit about this wacky thing called E3. It is now over, thankfully. And, uh, you know, we're kind of looking uh, as the dust is settling, kind of reviewing uh, the news that came out of it. And, you know, one of the interesting things I do want to mention and talk about, and I kind of alluded to this in the first segment, which is the evolution or de-evolution of E3, you know, it used to be trade only. You had to be, you know, either a member of the media or a buyer or somebody in the industry of another company. You know, now it's kind of half and half. It's trade only for part of the day, and then they open it up to consumers. You know, are we going to kind of see the end of trade only shows as we used to know it? Is that thing in the past now? And maybe will E3 be only consumers in the future? Is this the end of that old era?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I honestly think we've already passed that line. Um, I think it's definitely moving more towards consumers. I mean, to your point in your uh, first section, it's, you know, E3 has come a long way to kind of get to where it was. And originally, the industry was really trying to, you know, find its legs and and figure things out as it was growing. And as you can see now, in in a pretty short amount of time, how large the gaming industry is and how much money is being put into that and it's international. You have you know, just so many people involved in it now that a lot of consumers wanna to go to these events. They wanna dress up in character, they wanna you know, talk to development panels and the whole thing. So it's interesting to see how it's moved. At the same time, to actually go to some of these events is extremely expensive for a company. Yes. You, know, you look at Microsoft Booth or Sony's or something like that from past years, they might be paying millions of dollars Whereas yes. now, because the industry's really opened, you have things like streamers or influencers on YouTube, where a studio can pay one of those guys a fraction of that cost to directly get to consumers. So yes. you're really seeing the way that marketing and everything's shifting right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, In the first segment, I talked about my early years at E3, when I was actually working for a a game developer and that was the era of brick and mortar and that was a big part of trade shows it was all about the sales and you met with the buyers and you talked about the release date and how many orders and they put their orders in actually and you know this right, right. not only in gaming but we go to the consumer electronics show we go to the nam show for musical instruments and tech for m- the music world and and everybody in all industries is kind of asking themselves the same question which is this is a lot of money is it worth it are we getting you know a return on investment and you know not only do you have to buy the booth space obviously at these trade shows but of course you gotta fly in your people you're putting them up for a good week it's really expensive and it's really a lot of, of stuff and then the thing i also wanted to bring up you know you've worked on the development side for a long time you know you're cranking through these games and suddenly you're devoting a ton of resources to making demos that are meant to be shown at an event like this and you talk a little bit about that. That is not an insignificant right. commitment, is it, to make demos? And to no,
1: blah. not at all. So I really worked on more like the media, media marketing side of a lot of studios. So I would really get to look at the entire development process. And so when a studio tries to go to one of these events, not only are they putting up a lot of money, and a lot of game studios you know, are tight on budgets in, in a lot of cases, but they actually have to create a specific demo or a piece of media like a video for that event which takes away more money and time from your development team so when you see these big stage demos like cyberpunk 2077 where they brought out keanu reeves which was a great announcement love that but you know that studio might have spent who knows a month or two to actually pull that whole demo together which is great for marketing but it's pulling away from the actual game development that's happening at the time. Yeah. And so people don't realize that game that's being played with trying to create the best game, but then trying to market it and make it look great.
0: Yeah, well, and we used to have a funny line in the development business and games when I was there, which was, you know, the first 90% of game development takes 90% of your time and resources, and the last 10% takes the other 90% of your resources and time. You know, it's that last 10%, or whatever that number is, is such a grind. And you've got deadlines looming, and you know you know that going into any game development. And then somewhere in the middle, if you suddenly have to insert whatever you need for trade shows, that just messes it up, and that puts more pressure on the team, doesn't it? It's, it's ugly.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does, which is why I think you're also seeing some of these shifts, you know? Like, for example, Apex Legends, which is a very, very popular game made by Respawn, published by Electronic Arts, Um, That game came out of nowhere. They didn't really announce it. They didn't tease it. They just hot launched it. And there was a couple interesting things they did. They basically just went to one of the biggest streamers, Ninja, or Shroud, and maybe Dr. Disrespect. I can't remember all the people they used. But they just paid them like a million dollars. Like, just play this game for a day and have fun. And just show all of your viewers how fun this game is, right? They did that, and that game grew faster than any game in history Wow! up to like 50 million or whatever That's I mean some, it grew so fast they just couldn't keep up with trying to maintain it, I mean they're, they're catching up now, they just announced a season two for the game, but it's really interesting, it's just a different marketing approach and it, it just takes effect instantly
0: It is, alright, on that note we've got to take a quick break, you're listening to Pop Tech Radio talking to Cheyenne Decker about games and we are coming right back
2: Brembo has been stopping champions on the track as well as drivers like you and me on the street for over 50 years. Whether it's UV-coated brake discs, low-dust premium ceramic brake pads, or high-temperature brake fluid, BremboStoreUSA.com is the place to go to buy genuine Brembo OE Equivalent Replacement Brake Components. Go to BremboStoreUSA.com to help you achieve that 60-0 to zero braking performance you deserve and expect from Brembo. Brembo, the choice of champions and consumers for over 50 years.
0: Welcome back to Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. And we're back. Pop Tech Radio, Mike Etchart, my good friend Cheyenne Decker, on the line, veteran gaming industry. And of course, he's the owner and director of Gameplay Productions. We are talking about E3. We're talking about games. In the last segment, Cheyenne, we were talking about the popularity of games. And the gaming industry, like every industry in media, is hit-driven. But the gaming industry is so brutal. If you're making a movie, there's so many different outlets. It can actually kind of not do well at the box office. Sometimes it finds another life in rentals or in streaming services. And it seems it's either a hit or a flop, right? There's really not a lot of middle ground for any game. Is it still that way or is it?
1: It's getting more brutal because, you know, you're seeing more competition. There's more people in the industry. It's a lot more worldwide. And, you know, when you look at, I can't remember the the stats off the top of my head, but like on iPhone alone for mobile games, there's like over 3000 games that are released every month. Some of those are tests and little things and whatever. But I mean, there's only so many people on the planet. So you're really just trying to cast this big net and see what you can get. But to your point with the movies, it, it is interesting with games because there is this philosophical change that sort of happened with marketing, where movies is a good example, right? Like movies are an hour and a half, two hours long. There's a certain genre. Maybe you like a horror movie. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you like this action movie, whatever. But it's this couple-hour experience, whereas games, the way it's moved now, it's, they're kind of being sold to people like, look, this is the end-all, be-all piece of entertainment. It has everything and you should just be here all the time. Right. You know, whereas games a uh, 10 years ago were like, hey, we have this experience, check it out. There's other good games too. Just it's transitioned to like, nope, this is it. This is the end all be all. Right. And it's a
0: larger commitment financially typically, you know. A lot of games are let's say 50, 60 bucks whereas depending on how you're watching a movie, it's much less of a commitment. But on the other side, the production costs of games, just like everything, continues to escalate. And so the commitment that a developer and a a publisher has to make is enormous. And I guess if you have one in three games that's successful and you're a publisher and you're a developer, you're a superstar, right? It's really hard, and which is why also in gaming, like in movies, it's all about the sequels. It's all about the franchises.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've been watching this, obviously, over movies and, and TV especially right now. But games as well, it's like they create a formula and they're like, oh, this has been successful. Let's just do this over again. You know, like look at every sport game or your Call of Duties or whatever. It's like they just add a new skin on every year with a couple tweaks of the features. But, you know, people are used to that. That's what they think they like. And so they just keep buying the same sorts of products.
0: And then you alluded to this I think, earlier, you know, Keanu Reeves made an appearance. The gaming industry, the road is littered with various intrusions shall we say of the conventional entertainment <laughs> business shall we say the movie business the television business and usually to bad results and but however there's you know when you look at a lot of the main filmmakers now you know just because as time has passed most of them many of them all of them grew up as gamers and so you're we're again seeing the the kind of the marriage I suppose of movies and games is it is it better now than it used to be? Because it didn't used to yeah. ever work that well.
1: That's a good way to put it, the marriage between them. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note like a lot of these big directors like Spielberg, Peter Jackson, there's been others. Um, they've kind of started side game studios that are doing research and in dev into augmented reality and virtual reality and just different ways to present storytelling. Um, and it, I think the problem with gaming was the technology. We really didn't have the technology to do facial scanning and motion capture like we do now. Um, and when you see, you know, a, an in-game engine demo of like Keanu Reeves and Cyberpunk 2077, and, um, you know, there's lots of games now. Um, Death Stranding, you know, with using um, Norman Reedus from Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah so like, you, you know, you have all these... These technology now to really simulate human uh, movement Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was human facial expression and since we can match that now now you're seeing all these movie directors and you know publishers and money kind of moving into the space of like oh wow we could we can do interactive storytelling now and you're going to start seeing that change more and more.
0: Well, but but it's still you know the other times that there's always kind of been uh, this sort of forced shotgun marriage, shall we say, of this. You know, it's been uh, it was it was always like, well, you know, we had a successful Spider-Man movie, so of course we're going to do a Spider-Man game, and we expect that to be as successful as the Spider-Man movie. Rarely did that ever work, <laughs> you know. So at least it seems like <laughs> yeah. Hollywood has kind of moved away from that notion. Or, or maybe they're still doing that to a certain extent, but I don't think still it still is working very well in terms of success. But it seems like at least Hollywood now is recognizing that they are two different mediums and and that's that. Is, is, am I correct in that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of it before was experimentation and just not knowing how to proceed. You know, they would be like, oh, let's make a Spider-Man game, but... They'd only give a studio a year to develop that. you know. So you're not going to create maybe a great product for what you're hoping. So their plans and how they're approaching things have, have you know become more, more in line um, with what the market's asking for. With reality. And on that note, we shall take a very
0: quick break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. We are talking games and talking E3. So stick with us because we are coming right back. You can't get enough. Listen to more episodes and check out our blog on poptechradio.com.
2: It's Dodge Performance Days, where that new car smell gets replaced by the scent of burned rubber. With Dodge Charger and its available best-in-class 485 horsepower, Dodge Challenger Hellcat Redeye with up to 797 horsepower and 707 pound-feet of torque, and the powerful seven-passenger Dodge Durango. Hurry in for great deals now at Dodge Performance Days. For its large regular car vehicle segment, Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.
0: Deck Radio, Mike at Chart with my good friend Cheyenne Decker. He, of course, veteran gaming industry executive. He's the owner and director of Gameplay Productions. We are talking E3. We are talking games. We are talking what should we be excited about? So, Mister Decker, as you are saving your pennies for certain games that might be coming out this year, at the end of this year, perhaps what? Uh, well, what after E3? What has you excited? What? What are you? What are you fired up about in terms of games that are coming? Ooh.
1: I, uh, I'd have to say Cyberpunk 2077 has mm-hmm. to be at the top of my list. Okay. I'm, uh, I, I really like the, uh, the world and the story that they've, uh, they've built around that, if you've ever followed the tabletop game. Okay. Um, and if you, ever, if you know CD Projekt Red, who made The Witcher 3, who's developing this game, they make some pretty complicated epic games that really raise the bar. And so it'll be interesting to see... What they do with this one? Uh, plus, they got Keanu Reeves, which I thought was a, was a really good snag for them, considering yep. he is a, such a major superstar right now. So that'll be really interesting.
0: Now, does um, this, but does that matter? Let Let's say they didn't get Keanu Reeves. Let's say they just they just got somebody, and it you know would it have been less successful by a little, by a lot, or would it would it maybe not have even uh, been?
1: I don't, to be honest with you, I think the game was already so hyped and you know, had, had so much behind it already that I don't know if it really would have made a crazy difference. Yeah. But I think it's just that cherry on top.
0: Right. Well, it,
1: really, just if anyone was on the fence, they might be like, oh, okay, they, let's just see what they did with this. There you go. Okay.
0: And I think that's coming out. That's, that's coming out next year, right? That's not going to make it at the end of this show. I think it's coming out in April of 2020. Yeah
1: yeah I'm uh, basically all the best games are going to be coming out in the next year or two. You're really seeing a big console transition period right now, so well, and I wanted to talk that's about it. interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You know it's funny as I, I might have mentioned it in the first time, you know, I came of in my gaming industry years was basically cd ROM games just in the transition to console games and And now we're coming on that that's kind of being reversed and I assume we're not going to see the end of console games for a very long time, but are, are the best days for console games behind them?
1: Ooh, um, it, I mean, it depends on how you're trying to frame that question. I believe that we are definitely moving away from consoles and hardware entirely. Right. Um, I think Microsoft and Sony, I mean, they, they will have another console, but I think moving forward from there, I think it'll probably all go cloud computing just because it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: which is why you're seeing stuff like Google Stadia. Um, you know, there's there's lots of streaming services that are being worked on right now from a number of things. So it'll be interesting to see how that transitions because that also lines up with 5G technology coming out, which will really allow, you know, digital transfer to just take a huge leap and bound,
0: we hope yeah but also for these console game companies that's a big revenue source for them having these proprietary consoles and and kind of overseeing the manufacturing and the license you know the and the, the, the 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 those those profits that they enjoy currently from that so this
1: transition right
0: that's going to be that they're going to take a hit on their bottom line aren't they
1: I just don't think they have a choice. I think it's almost like the E3 example before, you know? It's like originally when gaming was coming up and, you know, you had these big publishers trying to get out there, they, only, they could only go to E3. There was like one main convention in a way for them to go and market. Yeah. Just like if you were a console developer or game developer and you wanted to, you know, be on consoles, well, you had to be on, you know, Sony or Microsoft or maybe Sega or Nintendo whatever the con- competitors were, but they were closed-off marketplaces, you know? It was like a winner-take-all. Whereas everything's moving to more open-source, you know? Um, more of like an open-source streaming service, per se. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so you were liking uh, Cyberpunk 2077. What else has you really fired up?
1: Ooh, Death Stranding. Okay. Uh, looks incredible, even though I don't know if anyone knows what the game's actually about. <laughs> I think that's part of the mystery, but right. that game's incredible. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the next Halo. Yeah. I have a, this is a you H- know, long relationship with Halo.
0: This is H- Halo Infinite.
1: Halo Infinite, yeah. that's going to be on the next console. Okay. Um, which will be four times more powerful than this one. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see what they can push, because I assume that these consoles um, are probably going to have some sort of cloud computing that's going to also help to push and power them. So it'll allow game development engines to really kind of push the boundaries. Right. So yeah, uh, Halo Infinite looks interesting. Uh, Gears 5 looks uh, possibly pretty good.
0: Gears of War.
1: Borderlands. Yeah, Gears of War 5.
0: Yes. And and Halo Infinite, how many Halos have there been? I I've, I seem to have lost count. <laughs>
1: uh, 10 of Just them. Infinite, no. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. They've had a bunch of spin-offs. Yeah. And if you want to consider like their RTS games and mobile games a part of that too. Right. <laughs> right, right. They then, they've saturated it. Yeah. Let's talk about
0: two, you know, I, I always kind of think of you know, there's the gaming industry, and there's Nintendo. They're kind of their own little islands yeah, to to me. You know, they they've always kind of I don't know if I explain <laughs> right, but you know, it's just they're just kind of they kind of march to a different drummer, for lack of a better word.
1: They're very experimental, yes. That's yes, sure. there you but go. It pays off. It,
0: it's, <laughs> it does, and it has exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Nintendo, because Nintendo was there. You know, if, if you look into your crystal ball, and how does the future for our friends at Nintendo look?
1: Ooh, it's going to be interesting. Um, like I was kind of mentioning, everything's sort of moving towards this cloud computing because that's where all the power and infrastructure is going to come from to power, you know, the, the, the next generation of gaming and, and digital entertainment. There are really only three companies in the world that have the infrastructure to do this. That's Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, which is why you're seeing Google Stadia, because they're now like, okay, we have the infrastructure and the tech to attempt this. Um, you know, Microsoft was trying to do that the last console generation, kind of moved that route, but the community didn't quite understand, and I, I think there was just so much pushback, it, it made them change their plans. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, there's really only a couple companies that have the the server and internet infrastructure to actually do cloud computing correctly, which is why you're seeing someone like Sony partnering with Microsoft because they cannot provide their own cloud servers for their future infrastructure. So they had to partner. And so I feel like Nintendo is going to be put in the same spot. They're going to have to partner with one of those three companies Uh, I think Microsoft knows that and they've been working on a relationship with Nintendo for a little while now Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised if there was some other announcement from Nintendo that they're going to do the same thing as Sony is and and partner with Microsoft that being said who knows
0: all right. On that note, we got to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchart with my friend Cheyenne Decker. We are talking games, and we are coming back after these words.
3: Be thankful I don't take it. I'm the tech- Have
2: you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big nevermind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com.
0: Radio Mike Etchart, Cheyenne Decker, veteran gaming industry exec, and of course, he is the owner and director at Gameplay Productions. I'm bringing in Cody Castleberry, my producer, because we are talking games. We're talking the post E3 stuff. And, gentlemen, I want to ask you this. We were just talking about the three big powerhouses that will likely kind of be at the head of the table when it comes to these cloud game services. That, that would be Google, that would be Amazon and that would be Microsoft. Sony and Microsoft are pairing up. We were just kind of discussing who Nintendo would go with. Would they go with where everybody else is going, or would they go someplace else? But is there room for three is the question. Between, let's say, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft all launch something, which they are likely doing, if not already for sure doing, is there room for three?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to look at it the same way of like, well... How many subscriptions do you currently have? Do you well, subscribe to Hulu, Netflix, Spotify, you know, go down the list? Darn. I think the gaming industry is looking at it that way. Of well, like, I, but you're stealing, can we
0: get, you're stealing my thunder, though, because everybody now at the end of this year will have, because, you know, at least for me, I'm Netflix and Amazon and HBO from time to time. But suddenly on the television side of things, there's going to be something from Warner Brothers. There's going to be this new Disney Plus, there's going right. to you know, all of... So so even on the TV side, we're going to have lots yep. more choices by the end of the year. And, Another. yeah, and I think three is the magic number that I will personally have. I'll only have three for those <laughs> things. But gamers are a little more crazy, would, would one say, in terms of their passion for games. Yeah.
3: Well, I think someone that wants to play games that Sony and Microsoft have... Uh, is generally a different type of gamer than the one that wants to play Nintendo. I mean, it, there is some cross-section there. There's people that like both, but I would say that it, it, to me it feels pretty safe for, uh, you know, you got to throw in your lot anyway, you know, you know, if you, unless you're just going to back out and, and uh, surrender the, the market. You would make an attempt to differentiate yourself. Like in the uh, TV industry, um, where you have people having to pick and choose now, you would just have gamers picking and choosing. But
0: that's... Yeah, so, so back to Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, so, so if you're a Nintendo, then, who, who do you... If, if, again, Cheyenne, I'm asking you to put your crystal ball on, and everybody's crystal ball is a little foggy when it comes to this stuff. You know, who do you think... Do you think they're going to go with, with the Microsoft relationship, or are they going to kind of forge their own deal?
1: I mean, Nintendo's, Nintendo's interesting because they're kind of a wild card, you know? Like, when they came out with the Switch if I remember right, people were like, is that going to (laughs) work? And now all of a sudden it's like one of their highest selling systems ever. Um, So I don't know. Maybe they don't go the cloud computing route, but with 5G technology around the corner and everything else, it seems like they're going to have to do that. Um, And I I think Microsoft and Sony and probably Nintendo are aware of the amount of resources and infrastructure that you know, Amazon and Google have, and that if they actually come out with a console and and, and try to go for it, that they actually might beat them. So I could see Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo being like, well, hey, like, let's just partner. We have all these games, we have all these IPs, let's just create the ultimate gaming service and never allow these guys into the industry.
0: Right, wow. Because
1: that's what it's going to come down to. And Facebook, like, don't count Facebook out either. Facebook has gone through massive hiring for Oculus and for their whole infrastructure. And they are, they are working on coming out with probably their own service as well.
0: Oh, boy. Oh. So
1: it's going to be interesting. And, and then we're not even talking China. I mean, Tencent, Alibaba, who own a lot of stakes in a lot of the companies here. Like, they have a huge hand in the gaming industry. If they launch worldwide services, all of a sudden they're in in it too. So it's going to be interesting moving forward in the gaming industry for consumers. But at the end of the day, content is king. If you want to play a game and it's only on one service, well, you're going to pay for that service.
0: That's right. If you're passionate about that game. And as I'm looking at, at Nintendo's titles, The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. We are still talking about The Legend of Zelda. And when, when did that title first come out? Um, talk, about, talk about longevity, but that's the gaming industry, right? It, it's all about franchises and titles you yeah. know. Nostalgia. Groups, nostalgia. That's exactly right. Nostalgia, of course. It's all about nostalgia. And on that note, we do need to take a quick commercial break. You, of course, are listening to Pop Tech Radio. We are talking games. We are talking E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, the event that just kind of ended here in Los Angeles, what the news was from that, and, of course, what's going on in the industry at large. We've got more when we come back. It's Pop Tech Radio. Can't get enough? Listen to more episodes and check out our blog on poptechradio.com.
2: Weird, boxy, funky, fun, iconic. You can call the Kia Soul a lot of things, but you can never call it boring. And now, with a wide variety of newly adapted trims, it's time to expand your vocabulary the adventure-hungry Urban Explorer Sol X-Line, the stylish, tech-savvy Sol EX, and the relentlessly athletic, turbocharged Sol GT-Line Turbo. The new species of Sol, the 2020 Sol. Give it everything.
0: Back at Pop Tech Radio, Mike at Chart, Cheyenne Decker, veteran gaming industry and the owner and director of gameplay productions, I should say veteran gaming industry executive, and my good friend Cody Castleberry, who's our producer on the show and also an avid gamer. And Guys, I'm going to give you each in this last segment, I need your the two games you are that we haven't talked about that you are super excited about. So Cody, give me your two. After E3, what did you hear and
3: read about and see that you were fired up about? Well, first, um, Doom Eternal. Uh, The soundtrack for that is what really... I'm a metalhead, too, in addition to a gamer. Um, So two two strikes against my record if I were in the dating pool. Um, Okay, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But the soundtrack is done by this Australian composer who's who's really good, and he kind of combines really aggressive-sounding guitars with... um, Uh, electronic sounds that he finds unique ways of making the way he got his guitar tone is he took a chainsaw and (laughs) recorded that and made that sort of the underlying bed for his guitar tone unique in that
0: music matters to you that you would go and uh, whoever did the soundtrack is, is part of the equation with which you you make
3: it. It's pretty much exclusive to this game. Yeah, it's, um, that's, there, that's there's all... no other game that really the soundtrack hypes me up about. Uh, got um, And he also uh, he got a, a choir of people to send in samples of themselves doing metal screams, and he's calling it his metal choir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making me not want to play this game. Just so you know. <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense. It's, the, the music matches the intensity of the, of the video game. It's, very, it's a not-safe-for-children game.
0: Okay, um, and by the way, we are talking about Doom, a game that came out in 1993,
3: right? Well, yes, the continuation of that, uh, which back then they also had a pretty metal soundtrack for as much as sure. it could be in, in MIDI. Um, right, right, as much as it could be. <laughs> okay, Doom Eternal, and what's your second one? Death Stranding, we already talked about it a little oh, bit, but yes, I'm a be- huge fan of Hideo Kojima. I've played all the Metal Gear games that have oh. made their way to America, and... uh like Cheyenne said, the story is anyone's guess right now. no one knows what's happening. Yet you're excited but, about. it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It's just the way that they've portrayed <laughs> it in the trailers gives you enough so that you're curious, but not so much that you already know what's happening.
0: All right, okay, Cheyenne, you've got what are your two besides the ones we've seen?
1: Well, you know, you know, I like cyberpunk because that's probably my number one. But uh, I think two that should be mentioned is. Uh they're going to do a sequel to Zelda Breath of the Wild, which if you've never played that, is probably reason enough to buy a Switch. It is quite okay. a masterpiece in design. Um, and then I'd have to go maybe with a Final Fantasy VII remake. I'm on the fence with some of their changes to see what's better, but that game has a, has a special place in my heart. And uh, I, I, I hope that they pull it off.
0: And this is a remake. And what does that really mean in gaming?
1: <laughs> uh, that can mean anything, really. It, it kind of depends, because studios might remaster things almost identical, with just some graphical changes and some minor tweaks.
0: Uh-huh. And other
1: times, like you're seeing in Final Fantasy VII, instead of it being you know this turn-based combat style, they've kind of kept with what their current live-action sort of combo flow system is, with like uh, the last um, Final Fantasy they had. Interesting. All right. Well, that's so. It'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But that game was a really big deal for RPGs in America. It was the first real RPG that really hit it big here in the West, and uh, it really kind of opened up the gaming markets in different ways.
0: Yeah, and this being kind of the well, as we talked about, the me too industry and. Uh, I think the first Final Fantasy came out back in 1987. So we're talking again with 1987, 1993. These are these are games that continue to be repurposed and sequelized, and <laughs> like the movie business, right? You know, we're we're seeing a reboot of the Batman franchise at Warner Brothers again, and. Uh, <laughs> People love what they love, and they keep coming back. And on that note, we got to wrap it up. So the big thanks. Thanks to Cheyenne Decker. Cheyenne, thanks for coming on. We're going to do this again. Pleasure to be here. Are we going to for sure? Yeah,
1: we'll definitely
0: have to. All right. We're looking forward to that. And Cody Castleberry is my producer and engineer, and he helps me make this show every week. Without him, I could not do it. I also want to send out big thanks to Radio America. They are our syndicator. They help uh, get us to all the great stations across this country, Mike Paradiso and Jenny Didis in Washington, D.C. And uh, don't forget, we are podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple iTunes, which is happens to be where I get my podcast. We are there if you want to go back and revisit some of our earlier episodes for different topics and stuff. That is where you will find us. I want to thank everyone for listening in today. We will be back as we always are next week. You've been listening to Pop Deck Radio. I'm Mike Etchart. Thanks for joining us. Have a safe week, and we will see you next time.
2: The big news from Subaru is the three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The three-row Subaru Ascent love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.